0: From the Chattanooga Area Chamber of Commerce, I'm Jeremy Henderson.
1: And I'm Christy Gillenwater, and this is Chattanooga Works.
0: When we talk about talent development and jobs, we often overlook an entire group of people, ex-offenders, people who have served time and are attempting to reenter the workforce with a criminal record. Nationwide, about 30% of the population falls into this category. Applied to Chattanooga and the surrounding area, that number would come to around 100,000 people. It's 100,000 people who historically have trouble finding and keeping a job. And this problem disproportionately affects low-income areas where unemployment rates are higher across the board. Our first guest today is going to help us understand this issue and how it should fit into our broader thinking around talent development. Welcome CPD Sergeant Josh May. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your history with the CPD?
2: Yeah, um, so uh, I'm a 17-year uh, veteran of the department, um, been in Chattanooga since 1995, uh, came here to college, never left, Love the city, um, mm-hmm. got on, it's my first real job, so mm-hmm. my mom told me to quit begging for money, um, so I had to get a real <laughs> job with a criminal justice degree, only so much you could do. <laughs> so I uh, uh, started working here, uh, my experience goes to patrol out in Highland Park, East Lake, Mm-hmm. Um, I was a field training officer, uh, joined the gang unit in uh, 2009, or worked there until 2014. Uh, during that time, I was also on the SWAT team, so uh, that was pretty fun, uh, doing some high-risk stuff. But uh, mm-hmm. um, after that, I we made the transition to, um, uh, we brought in the Violence Reduction Initiative, um, which uh, is really focused, deterrence-heavy, um, pretty much focusing on individuals out here causing the crime as opposed to casting wide nets. Um, I took that program over in uh, 2015. Um, I was the focus turns coordinator uh, until 2018 when um, I became the sergeant over our newly uh, tasked uh, gang ta- um, excuse me gun team that uh, does ballistic uh, comparisons and uh, once again focuses on guys who are uh, out here causing the crime, uh, especially shooting firearms. How did you become involved with reentry? Well, um, part of our violence reduction initiative, it's, there's a lot of different prongs to, I guess, solving the issues of violence within the city. Um, there's what I, what I term the prevention, intervention, and then enforcement prongs. Prevention is our key. We want to prevent kids from joining these organizations that make them, you know, almost lead them towards bad areas. The intervention is where reentry really comes into because a lot of these guys make decisions at early ages, guys and and, and females as well. So let's not leave the females out because uh, they're definitely a part of this situation. Um, The intervention comes in where they've made poor decisions, but they don't need to be chastised for the rest of their lives uh, for these decisions they may make at an early age. Um, So I got with – we get with uh, Troy Rogers who runs the – he's our public safety director – um, we work with a lot of outreach groups, a lot of um, different employers. Uh, we have job fairs um, and uh, stuff like that to, you know, give these individuals an option. That that's the key is the option. You're only going to know, you're only going to go where your options are. If all you know is go out, sell drugs, rob people, do this stuff because that's the only thing you know, that's your only option, that's what you're going to do. So if you're able to you know, have something else on your plate, whether that's a job. And I almost, and I say jobs loosely because I believe it's more career oriented. Um, you know, a lot of these guys I deal with on a day-to-day basis are some of the smartest people you'll ever meet. It, it is, it is astronomically, I mean, they are, they are just so crazy smart. I mean, they live a lifestyle of, you know, running from the police for, you know, what they're doing, but they've also got other enemies out here on the streets that they may have done wrong before. So, um, their mentality a lot of times are, is, is, is really, really high. So if we can take that, those guys with those, you know, that, that criteria, uh, into the areas of employment, especially career oriented, where there's upward mobility, um, they can I mean, they can really, really succeed. It really, I ne- we needed something else to get these guys off the streets from doing the wrong thing. And once again, um, you know, working with, um, reentry programs, uh, different uh, employers uh, is key to, to making sure that they get these opportunities.
1: And walk us through a little bit of uh, possibly some of the stories, you know, the turnaround stories and, and kind of what that lever was to, you know, cause someone to, to find positive in their life.
2: I think that it's different for everybody. I think that, you know, sometimes individuals have children. That becomes priority. Sometimes they watch an individual die and that becomes a priority. They don't want to live that lifestyle anymore. Sometimes they get shot and they think, okay, well, now it's real. Um, I don't want to live this life anymore. Um, it, it's all to do with your influences. And sometimes that's within yourself. So, you know, that switch has to flip within them. Um, we would go to houses when I was uh, as part of the violence reduction initiative. They're called custom uh, notifications, where we go and we talk to these kids. We knock on their door, mm-hmm. they answer, and we talk to them about lifestyle changes. If you don't do this, I'm going to tell you exactly how this is going to end because I've seen it time and time again, prison or death, and that's it. So until they make that conscious decision within themselves, it, it, it's never going to work. So it, I think it differs for everybody. Um, in working with um, several pastors um, uh, throughout the the city, which is always great, um, they seem to to be the ones who find it pretty quickly. Um, you know, they, they, they go and they... they they, they find that switch and they find a deeper meaning in a lot of things. So that helps out quite a bit. Um, so, but once again, it's the, the success stories, they vary um, from, you know, whatever, whatever motivates them to not want to live that lifestyle and, you know, spending more time away from their family, um, you know, uh, missing Christmases and missing Thanksgivings and birthdays um, in the middle of uh, South Dakota, which is unfortunately where a lot of people end up throughout the country. So
0: what typically brings people in that situation onto your radar? Do do they come asking for help, or is it often somebody else that sees a problem and
2: looks for them? It's multifaceted. Um, You know, uh, we monitor a lot of things, whether that's social media, and we start seeing individuals who are falling down, you know, starting to go down a path, uh, whether they're – I call it talking reckless, you know, they get on make a bunch of threats. And then the next thing you know, their mama's house is being shot up. Um, and that's legitimately happens almost every single night. Um, we work with um, the SROs as well as a lot of the schools here, uh, high schools and the, um, the teachers and the, and the staff. So when we start seeing people start, we don't want to catch them when they're trying to fall off that cliff. That's They're, they're gone by then. When they when they fall off that cliff, they're gone. We want to see them when they start making that little dip, when they start the, the attitudes change or the uh, the fringe change. We want to get in there and, once again, the intervention step or the prevention step, make sure that they don't fall off that cliff. Um, a lot of times when we see guys that do come out of prison, we want to make sure they have these options. Um, we'll host things with our um, probation parole, um, Tennessee probation parole, and bring them in and say, look, you know, you're now convicted felons. Uh, the next time you get caught with X, Y, and Z, it's not in Tennessee you're going. It's, once again, in Wyoming or... South Dakota or, you know, you name the Federal Correctional Institute here. So, um, you know, they come to us in a, a variance of ways. We'll take anybody. Um, you know, if they call, someone calls and said, "We need to. can you all go talk to somebody? Sure. I mean, what does it cost me? I mean, it's free. I'll knock on the door if they want to talk. Cool. If they don't, cool. You know, and um, you try to reach as many as you can and uh, just hope. I know it's very cliche, but you hope that you just change one. But, uh, you know, one changes another. So just keep it rolling.
1: What is it that you'd like for the general public to
2: know I'd like to for the general public to understand that everyone makes mistakes. Some people are really good at getting caught making mistakes. Um, I often ask when I do presentations how many of y'all have ever sped, drank underage, uh, you know uh, used narcotics you know and most of the people raise their hands you know and, and I say, how many of y'all been caught you know so when we stop looking through our rose colored lenses and chastising those who are you know have been caught and a lot of times those are disproportionately minorities disproportionately the poor disproportionately individuals in low income areas because that's where a, a mass uh, you know uh, por, you know portion of our crime occurs um then uh you know and we take these as individuals and individual stories and give them a second and third opportunity i know i've had second chances i know i've had third chances And I think that a lot of these individuals need that. Um, You know, uh, there's a lot of jobs, there's a lot of careers out here that could use individuals that have these skill sets and to be just chastised as a, uh, you know, a throwaway story because of a mistake that you may have made. You may be in the wrong place. And we all don't, a lot of times, don't know the entirety of the story, right? Um, uh, A charge isn't necessarily a charge, if that makes any sense. I mean, you know, you could be charged with a... a a accessory to x y and z and have been in a car with someone and not even been the guy who got out and did it the driver or whatever you could have been the backseat passenger but unfortunately the way the justice system works the charges are the charges so i think that you know handling these individuals as individuals and giving them second third opportunities is key i mean you know we'd expect that i'd want that and i think that they deserve the same respect So what would you say
0: to an employer who hears this and understands, you know, morally why they should do this, but they're afraid of the risk of hiring someone with a past, with a criminal past?
2: I mean, I understand that, you know, I'm I'm a high risk, high reward kind of guy. I think that, you know, you take guys and like I said earlier with the uh, mental skills, the street smarts of survival, survival. I mean, not not your company survival, your business survival, actual survival. I've been on the porch with a guy talking to him because he wouldn't let us in the house to talk for whatever reason. And he just scanned the entire street the whole time. Every car that drove by, he's that tuned in to what's going on to his surroundings, his situational awareness. I know that there's a lot of companies that would love to have someone like that that's aware of just situational awareness, you know? So you take these guys and you know it's high risk high reward but um most of these guys are loyal they're real loyal i mean they will they will do you know as long as as long as they're treated fairly they will be loyal to you and they will do what you need to do and um they just want to be treated fairly and given a shot um a lot of guys just don't get the shot and uh, that's that's what's uh, important is just to, um take a chance
0: so the point of all this is to to reduce recidivism basically right so do you happen to know how how
2: much that decreases their chances if they have a a steady job not statistically off the top of my head I mean you know those would be numbers to pour over um for uh you know someone who's a little bit smarter than me who maths I don't math very well (laughs) um but um you know I do know that guys with other options and other opportunities fall off our radar far faster than those who don't I know that, um, and that's just uh, that's unquantifiable. I can just tell you that we stop going to the houses. We stop hearing the names. We stop putting, you know, um, be on the lookouts for, or these nicknames have come up, and it works out. I mean, you know, and you finally see them, and you talk to them. You say, hey, what are you up to? And they're like, man, I've been working, been staying out of the way, been laying low. Mm-hmm. That's all you can ask. You know, make that money, and, uh, you know, provide for your family.
0: This is great information. I hope we get it out to to people who need to hear it. And I want to thank you for being here and talking us through it. I appreciate having you. Yes,
1: thank you, Sergeant May. Such important work that you provide for this city and for individuals here. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. ex-offenders navigating the job market with a criminal record while acclimating to life on the outside is like walking a tightrope. Our next guest is going to give us some insight into that struggle and help us understand what we can do to help people in this population become functioning members of society. Welcome. Could you introduce yourself?
3: Good morning. This is Ronald Bristow, Executive Director of Bottled Tears Ministries. Everyone calls me BJ.
0: All right. Welcome to the podcast, BJ. Thank you for being here.
3: Absolutely, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about Bottle Tears? Bottle Tears Ministry is a nonprofit organization that uh, was established over in Georgia. Based upon my past and the journey that I've been upon, um, I was formerly incarcerated for 15 and a half years. And throughout the course of that journey, many people come and tell you that there's all these resources and all this help that's made available to you, and then when you come out, you can't find it. And so Bottle Tears Ministries was established to be the place where people can actually find the help that they're looking for to restart their lives over. Um, We help out families, men, women, children, um, who have been impacted by incarceration or addiction, but we're not limited just to them. Anybody who's looking for help, we're available to them.
0: Great, it's great important important work for sure. So you mentioned you you got involved in this in this line of work because of your own uh, experience uh, trying to navigate those those waters. Could you speak a little bit about why this is why it's important to help
3: people in that situation sort of become part of society again? Absolutely. You have to think about, if you take a person's life and you look back and say, what all has taken place in your life in the last year? And then after all that, that and with everything that took place in that year, imagine somebody who was not present for that time. It's like they were removed from a space of time and then incorporated back into another space of time, but they missed that whole year. Now you compile that to three, four, five, six, like me, 15 and a half years, I left in 2001. I came home in 2016. So imagine how much technology. Imagine how much uh, even finding a job, the process of finding a job. Nobody does paper applications anymore. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't even have the basic computer skills, you can't even apply for a job. And so when you turn around and you're released from prison with a $25 check and they say make it, how how can you make it? Mm -hmm. Then they say get a job. How can you get a job when... You're holding my past against me. I've served my time. I've, I've come out and I'm trying to live right. I'm trying to do right. But every door that I am presented with is slammed in my face because of a past mistake. So it's like I'm still being imprisoned even though you've given me my freedom. So it's important for people to get involved who are definitely people who are in position to uh, offer jobs, people who are in position to offer housing, transportation. You'll be surprised what a, a, a bag of soap, toiletries, toothbrush, toothpaste, a rag, a washcloth, just to start somebody off. You'll be surprised how far that goes with a person. Uh, not having a place to lay your head. All these things compile upon stress. and And when it gets hard and when it gets thick, in the kitchen, for some people, they resort to what comes comfortable, what comes natural to them. And if that person has been incorporated in doing crime their whole life, what do you think they're going to return back to? If, if there's nobody here to say, listen, man, I got you. I'm going to hold your hand. I'm going to walk you through this process with you. I'm going to mentor you. I'm going I'm to show you. I'm going to sit down with you and talk with you. You can call me at 11, 12 o'clock at night when the, the, your thoughts are getting the best of you and you're thinking about, You know, going out here and then some of these men are coming home who who have who left children who don't even understand the the dynamics of being a father, being a husband, being being just a man in everyday society. And, And so you need people. It's important that people get involved because you want to see the crime rate go down, but nobody's stepping up to help these men and women. To who are being released from prison, nobody's helping them to stay free from prison, and so the very few organizations that are out there, God bless you, and I, and I'm thankful for you, but it's so much more that can be done. There's so much more that can be done.
1: So, BG, if someone wanted to reach out and get in touch with you guys, what do they? How do they do that? Or a listener, you know, directly, or or a listener knows someone who could use your services, how they reach out?
3: Um, we are connected to. Um, Georgia Community Supervision, Um, we're connected to the drug court. Um, You can get my name, my number, which is 706-394-6978. You can call me directly. Um, We will sit down, and I'll come to you. I I will come to you if you can't get to me. I will come and sit down and talk with you and figure out how can I help you, and if I can't help you, I'm going to connect you to somebody that can help you. And so um, those are our accesses. Um, you can reach me on email at B, as in boy, T, as in tag, ministries, 4221 at gmail.com. You can email me. I will get back to you, even though I'm busy, but I will get back to you. And right now, those are our sources. Uh, also, we just opened up a drug treatment facility for addiction counseling. We provide level one, level two addiction counseling, um MRT. Uh, anger management, all of these different counseling things that uh, coincide with people's probation and things of that nature that they need. Um, The name of that business is Walker County ACDP, and that's located in Lafette, Georgia. And so you can come to the office and I'll be there. Um, I answer the phone there as well. So uh, these are just different avenues that you can get in touch with me. Um, I'm also a member at Mount Zion Baptist Church in Lafette Georgia you can come there on Sunday morning I'll be there
1: and BJ that obviously goes as well for employers who are who are looking for folks to employ they can reach out to you I suspect and then for for maybe people who want to contribute and and help uh the clients that you're trying to help as well
3: absolutely um I'm trying to make connections now with any employer um that I can send these guys to um some of these guys that I'm working with are hungry and and really eager to work, um, if given the opportunity. If given the opportunity, and I mean I vouch for that. And so um, there are some uh, employers out there who have been, you know, very helpful and giving them at least an interview. But I need to get these guys to work.
0: Can you speak to that a little bit more, uh, BJ, about what if from the employer side of things? If I'm in, uh, if I'm an employer. Um, why would I be interested in hiring one of these guys, but aside from the moral imperative?
3: Um, honestly, I believe that anyone coming out of that system is going to outwork anybody that you already got there. I honestly believe that. Um, you're talking about somebody who has to have this job, that their freedom is dependent on this job. So you're talking about somebody who's coming to work that doesn't have time to play, And I mean, it's going to take this serious because he understands the importance of this opportunity. And so when it comes to just work ethic, I think that they will outwork him. Then, too, there are actually a lot of benefits for employers who give convicted felons an opportunity from tax credits to um, in the event that uh, something happens on the job as far as uh, if one of these so-called ex-felons uh, turns around and he steals one of their property. The government has put things in place to replace that up to $2,500. And so there are benefits in all actuality. You can't lose. It's a it's a win-win situation for both ends. You take a chance and you're helping somebody and if it doesn't work out, you're compensated for even trying. And so I, it's a win-win for both ends.
0: And, and I think that's important. Um, I definitely want to underline that for, for people who uh, have thought about that have have considered hiring someone in that situation um, that that there are uh, safeguards in place you know you're not you're not just out there on your own you're you're taking a chance, but uh, the government does back you up to some degree. and there's also a piece of this right about recidivism. you know if if you want to reduce crime rates,
3: this is one way you can materially help with that right Absolutely. The thing is, is that you can't complain about a problem that you're not providing any solutions to. A lot of times people are sitting around, you know, complaining about the crime rate and, and the way that the society is changing. But the question is, what are you doing about it? Especially when you're in a position to do something about it and not doing anything about it. Um, and then, too, you don't like you. It's not like a. am just picking a needle out the haystack. You can actually, as an employer, make connections with your local probation office, um, with your local task force, and they will go through a screening process and send you qualified candidates that they uh, believe that are on the right path and doing the right thing. So it's not like somebody's just gonna they're just gonna send you anybody. So you can actually make connections with them, and I, I believe that they will send you uh, some reliable candidates to fill those positions.
1: And I think as an employer, you know, many employers have many different types of jobs, and while you know the alignment um, may not be perfect with certain jobs. It can be with others. Absolutely. You know, to your point. And so, um, you know, I think that's really important to think about. And with the unemployment rate where it is today, the, um, the kind of the moral imperative, of course, but, but that ability to, you know, hire someone who is hardworking, who's committed and will be there every day, um, I know I've been in, in chambers before where we built business, built buildings, et cetera. And, and we had exactly that relationship. And it was fantastic. I mean, some of our best workers were, were those who were in reentry programs and, and helping us with you know construction projects, et cetera.
3: Most definitely. Um, a lot of these guys, people fail to realize is that they weren't always felons. A lot of these guys went to prisons with trades, mm-hmm. with skills. I've met a lot of men who come home and are – our welders, our plumbers, our construction workers, I mean, by trade, certified HVAC technicians, I mean, but because of a mishap in their life, it's hard for them to find employment. And this is a skilled tradesman who is put in the hours, somebody that you can bring on the job and start right away without having to spend money on training and things of that nature. But because mm-hmm. of his past, you're not giving him a chance. But I'm saying that give him a shot.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Give them a shot.
0: When you look at the numbers, um, what are you seeing on your end? I imagine you you have a lot more people looking for work than are finding jobs, right?
3: Absolutely. Um, Georgia has one of the highest incarceration rates in the United States, and that's where I'm located at. And so the numbers are staggering when it comes to um, over 35 and under 30. Like, the numbers are, like, staggering. So you have a lot of employers looking for jobs there's a lot of mills, a lot of factories that need workers the turnover rates are very high well you got a whole busload of people that will come in and fill your work out your warehouse if you give them a chance um but you're talking about maybe like every three out of five is unemployed in this population it's hard to get a job because of fear that that's pretty much the root cause of fear. They, a lot of people, if they're already in a vulnerable situation as far as finances and, and trying to keep their business thriving, it's a gamble, so to speak, when you hire this individual who is, you know, coming off substance abuse or coming out of prison. It's a gamble. Sure. It, it, it's a gamble. So I, I, in some regards, I do understand. If I'm already in a vulnerable business, I'm already kind of struggling as a business, can I or can I not take this chance on this individual? And, I mean, it's 50-50. You don't know really how this situation is going to turn out. But you'll never know if you don't take the chance. A lot of people who have become successful entrepreneurs took a chance. All I'm saying is, I mean, your next breakthrough for your business could very well be tied into Opening the doors to this population. We'll never know until somebody takes that chance.
0: Well and a lot of Those the types of businesses you're mentioning there are like you said, they're desperate for workers right now Um, Unemployment is at an all-time low Um, And I I believe it's 30 something like 30 percent Nationally um, of the population have some sort of criminal record. That's a huge number of people a uh, huge number of uh, the talent pool that's just untapped right now so um, so it so 's primarily just just fear and concern about taking a risk that you hear from people when you when you talk to potential employers about this.
3: well, when we sit down and talk to potential employers that's i mean that's pretty much the foundation of where they stand it 's fearful sure um, then too like you say, you don't know what you 're going to get. I mean, he's coming in today and, you know, he's working hard. And three months down the line, this job he feels like is not paying him enough to meet the needs at home. And so does he turn around and leave? You know, but one thing I can say is that a lot of people from this targeted population that we're talking about right now um, are loyal people. They they don't turn their backs on the people because of extra money or more money down the road, the fact is that, man, you gave me a shot. You gave me an opportunity. And and I'm going to ride this out. Now, indeed, I mean, I believe that every man is worthy of his hire. And so, you know, some of the rates, that's another uh, issue with the employers, um, why they can't really keep people is because of my past or because of, of being a convicted felon, you somehow feel that He should be subjected, or she should be subjected to, under nine or around eight, eight dollars, eight fifty. I mean, give them the same wage that you would give if they're working and they're doing what they're supposed to do. Why, why are they not compensated the same way that someone who has not, who doesn't have a felony on their record? I mean, give them a grace period. Find out. Um, So those are, but that's the main thing. It's just an overall fear of, of not knowing how this is going to turn out. But, I mean, you have the same fear sitting down with somebody who comes in for an interview. You don't know how that's going to turn out either. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: Interview could have been an awesome interview, think you found the right person. And then two weeks later, I mean, we're reading about it on the news. Like this person (laughs) lost their mind or something. So, I mean, it goes both ways. It goes both ways. But because of that stigma that we've placed on this population, we, we like to focus on that. But... I mean the same thing you're saying about them is the same thing that can be happening with the employees you already got now.
0: What sorts of services are you providing um to people typically? Um is is it mostly just sort of focused around that being that that support that ear that that will be willing to listen to them?
3: Well, our motto is to uh wipe away the tears from a crying world. And so we honestly believe that um the world is crying. And whatever those tiers are, we try to address them. Um, we provide referral sources for jobs. Uh, we have a voucher program to help people get gas or prescription. Or um, we have a connection to a dentist's office where um, they will do extractions for free. I mean, just things like that. Um, the main source of our is ministry more than anything. So we focus a lot on... Um, mentoring, life coaching, um, counseling, from that standpoint to provide that uh, boost of encouragement and motivation to keep trying, keep going like we're here. And I'm going to help you as much as possible. Uh, We just launched this housing program that will allow guys who have um, coming home, and hopefully soon we'll have something in place for the women. But right now we have a house for men who are uh, leaving um, out of substance abuse or coming home from incarceration. And this place provides them an opportunity to go to work, to work, get counseling, meet all the requirements for probation for a six-month period, and help you save some money so that at the end of the six months, hopefully we can house you on your own. We have you in a position where you can kind of stand on your own. And in that time, we're building family connections and relations uh with their families, reintegrating them back into society at a much slower rate and a slower pace, pace than what 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 is expected. I think a lot of these um, systems that are in place expect you to just come out and do it. And it doesn't work like that. It, it, it simply doesn't work like that. Um, it takes time. And so um, being able to invite these guys to this house gives them that time period to kind of just take it easy. Uh, When you don't have to worry about where you're going to lay down at night, how you're going to get your next meal, um, how I'm going to get to work. When when you don't have to worry about that day in and day out stress that everyday Americans deal with, it kind of like opens up the door for them to not go back towards prison, but more so towards freedom and, and staying free and being out here and understanding that you can be out here and have just as much fun and be just as successful without getting high, without robbing, without committing a crime. You don't have to do any of that and still have a, a joyful life. Some of these guys, um, they don't know how to live without being high. Some of these guys don't don't know what that life looks like. And so, you know, one of our services does provide that life. Show them that it's okay. It's okay. And, and you got somebody here that's telling you it's okay not just in word but showing you that it's okay. And that's the biggest thing. It's a lot of people out here doing a lot of talking. They want they 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 have what it takes. They're talking about it, but nobody's it's it's very few that's actually out here doing something about it. And so, you know, that's that's what we do. I go around um with prison prevention ministries speaking at schools all throughout Georgia and Tennessee just sharing my story. And, and letting kids know all throughout school like, listen, let's get ready, you're ready to face some tough decisions, and if you don't know how to deal with life when it comes at you, you're gonna make a lot of bad decisions and bad decisions lead to bad places and so um that's that's the services that we do, trying to just impact a a an awareness of how serious the decision making that you do it doesn't it's bigger than you. It doesn't just impact you it impacts you and everyone connected to you and so that's where we're at now that's that's pretty much what we got going on now
1: and bj i mean your work is is you know very inspiring and uh, you know thinking about your journey i mean did you have a person in your life who really challenged you you know um to to think about how to contribute back I mean what caused you to go wow I really want to help others I mean you talked about it a little bit that your 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 personal struggle but did someone help inspire you that you know you can do this I mean talk um, a little bit
3: you know a lot of guys well I, I can say all of them I think that anybody sitting in prison with that much time on your hands, you do a lot of dreaming, mm-hmm. a lot of dreaming. And, and a lot of guys come home, a lot of women come home with good intentions, with good intentions. Um, very few though can accept the nose. the door slammed in their face, very few. And, and it breaks their spirit. I believe that um, I was determined not to go back. I think I was determined to make this happen and um and by the grace of God, man i I met one person, um and then that person introduced me to another person, and then that person introduced me to another person, and they just believed in what I was what I was sharing. They just believed in it, and it just- started just kind of snowballing, and now it's like I'm just one of those type of people like, if you bring me five dollars, I'm trying to find out who else I can help with that five dollars is I've always kind of been like that. And it's that was kinda of like my downfall. because um, you can't help everybody. But now it's just God, if you give it to me, I'm gonna share it. And so, you know, if I meet somebody, I'm trying to introduce them to somebody I know. Uh I just wanna make I, I just that I just want to see people connected. I just want to see people help. Um I had a grandfather who kind of stepped into the role as my father, and he instilled a lot of things in me. And I think the turning point for me was when I broke his heart. When, when I did what I did, it crushed him because he he worked too hard and he put too much in place for me to be successful. I mean, you're talking about a guy who was in college um, for uh, academic scholarship for to be an architectural engineer and then turn around and I was in school less than a year and a half. And I was facing 40 years, and I was sentenced to 15 and a half years of prison for armed bank robbery and two-counts of second-degree kidnapping. The worst feeling in the world was not even getting caught and and locked up. The worst feeling was standing in the courtroom and and hearing my grandfather try to plead with the judge to, to, to show me mercy. And it was nothing that he can do. And the last thing that he told me, you know, as I was walking out that courtroom, he said, be a man. Don't never stop trying to be a man. Be a man. And, you know, it took me a couple of years doing that incarceration to really understood, kind of understand what he, was, what he meant by that. Because, you know, I thought I was a man. And um, he passed away while I was incarcerated, and that kind of crushed me. I, I, I always had that, that vision in my mind that I was going to come home and show him Proved to him that I could be the man he was raising me to be. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't here when I got here. Mm-hmm. And so now part of that driving force is just I refuse to let him down. I, I just kind of refused. I, I need that peace at night knowing I'm giving it everything I got because he didn't get a chance to see it, but everyone else will. And so that's kind of, that's what did it for me. That's. You know, when you got, I think everybody needs that spark of motivation or, or inspiration that drives them. And some people lose it. Hard times, hard life, hard roads, they, they have a way of destroying people's inspiration. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, bottled tears is, to, is that inspiration. We want to spark that again. We want to light that fire again. Um, but, yeah, that's what did it for me my grandfather.
0: It's an incredible story and really remarkable, honestly. You know, so many people struggle to turn their lives around, but you not only did that, but then decided to go help others Mm -hmm. do the same thing. So just really, truly inspirational. Mm -hmm. You guys have a website?
3: No. Um, We're not really big on social media Mm -hmm. Um, because we don't do it for the publicity. We don't do it for the, you know, it's kind of like, we pray and somebody shares it with somebody else. Mm-hmm. We okay. know that that person is for is meant to come in. Uh maybe down the road we'll probably get more, you know, but right now we like it small. We like it intimate. We like it um I don't like being stretched so thin that I can't help the ones that need my help. And so, you know, right now is we're we're a small group and we just help those who who come our way all
0: right well very inspirational
3: yes today.
1: thanks so much for your time oh and man i
3: thank you for being here this yeah. has truly been a, a blessing this morning just to be able to share and let people know what's going on so absolutely, absolutely. thank you
0: That's going to do it for us today. Be sure to come back next week when we'll have a special episode for you. My producer, Eric, and I went around Startup Week talking to people. We're going to give you a little bit of a taste of what happened there. Chattanooga Works is a production of the Chattanooga Area Chamber of Commerce. It's hosted by me, Jeremy Henderson, and Christy Gillenwater. Production and music by Eric Lissica. Our executive producer is Sybil Topol with editorial assistance from Amanda Ellis. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again in two weeks. Until then, work at Chattanooga.